Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just want to let y'all in on something a little early. Today's worship theme is pretty much going to be hallelujah. So however many times you feel like saying it, let it come out of your mouth. It doesn't matter if that's not the part of the song we're on. Let it out anyway. It's always appropriate. It will always be appropriate. You are free to worship. You're free to worship. That's it. You're free to worship. You're free to worship. We welcome you to worship. We welcome you. We welcome. We encourage you to worship. We invite you to worship. And we enjoy worshiping together. So, hallelujah. 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 Glory to your mighty name, God. You are deserving of all glory, honor, and praise. Glory to your mighty name. You are majestic. You are holy. You are everywhere. You are in everything. Lord, you are beyond words. We don't have enough in our human understanding to describe you accurately, Father. But we can say hallelujah. We can say thank you, Jesus. We can say, Lord, we honor you. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. We welcome you in this place, God. We bless your name. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We know what we walked in here with. We know what we walked in here dealing with. We know what we walked in here under the weight under, God. But we surrender to you we put it under your blood and we say hallelujah anyhow anyhow anyway in spite of hallelujah 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 glory to your mighty name Jesus we lift your name on high hallelujah because that is where you belong we lift you above everything above every other name above every circumstance above every concern and every issue Lord God we bless your name we lift you above everything that we have before you right now, God. We lift you above it because that's where you belong. That's what you deserve. We bless you. We honor you. We lift you. We lift you. We lift you. We magnify your name, God. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. 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 God, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We cannot thank you enough, God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you have yet to do because we believe and we expect, Father. Your word says that you will exceed our expectation now who is now that is able now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us that means we have to have we have to have an expectation first so god we expect the highest we expect the greatest we expect the best of the best in jesus name and you will only exceed what we already expect father we thank you 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 lord thank you thank you thank you for being better than we even know for being better than we even understand thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord you are alpha and omega hallelujah thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you we worship you our lord you are worthy to be praised we give you all the glory hallelujah 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 glory to your name glory let your worship fill this place let your presence fill this place have your way in this place god you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome let your fire fall let your spirit reign hallelujah hallelujah 
Glory to your name. Lord, you are great and mighty. You are awesome. You are worthy to be praised. There is none like you in all the earth. You are the only one true God. 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 And we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We honor you. We lift your name. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are faith. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Glory to your name. 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 Glory, 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 glory. It belongs to you, Father. We honor you and we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you with our worship. We honor you with our praise, Lord. We bless your name. We bless you. 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 We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We thank 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 you. You know what God loves? God loves for you to stir him up. He loves, he loves it when you stir him up. You know he's a fan of repetition. The evening and the morning were the, were, be the first day, right? What happened the second day? Evening and morning. What happened on the third day? Evening and morning. What happened on the fourth day? Evening and morning. You see the theme? It's repetition. So that's why we tell you, you can't say thank you enough. You can't say hallelujah enough. So when you hear us up here, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's not a computer glitch. We mean to say it that many times, and that's still not enough. It's still not enough. So he loves it when you repeat it and repeat. It stirs him up. It gets him going. It makes him want to move and respond to you yet again. See, we're responding to him. He's already been loving. He's already been good. We're just responding to him. When we get up here and it looks like we're having a Holy Ghost fit, we are doing nothing but responding to what he has already been to us, right? And so he's, since God is timeless and he has always been, we can't say it enough. He's infinite. He doesn't have a beginning or an ending. So your worship is never too much. It's never too long. It's never too involved. He loves it when you stir him up. When you, he loves it because it means he gets to interact with you more. So we welcome you and we encourage you. And if you're not comfortable doing it here, try it when you get home by yourself. I bet you he'll, you'll feel him. Because that's, that's engagement. That's engagement. And he's not going to ignore you. He's not going to ignore you. He might not show up the way you think he should. But you will get a response. I guarantee you that. So try it. I encourage you to try it when you get home. Whatever it is that you are saying to him, as long as it is worship and adoration, repeat it a few times. Because what's going to end up happening is you're going to get so into a habit of it that things are going to start coming out of your mouth that you're not even thinking about. Because now it's being grown. It's being cultivated inside of you. So you start out thinking, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you're going to look up and say, it's been six months and I ain't been saying nothing but thank you, Lord. Before you know it, you're going to say, God, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for food on my table. It's going to grow. It's going to expand. So start with what you know. Thank you. You can't thank him enough anyway. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's going to turn into something else. God, I bless you. God, I, I worship you. God, I honor you. You are amazing. You are, and you're going to get to thinking. Your mind's going to get to working. And you're going to remember, I got to work this morning, and I didn't get in an accident. God, you are a protector. 
God, I have food to put on my table for my children. You're a, you're a provider. Lord, the doctors told me this, but my end result was the opposite. You're a, you're a healer. It's going, to, it's going to resonate, and you're not going to be able to help it after a while. It's like any other habit that we, that we end up with. If you, if you cultivate it, it will grow. If you water it, it will grow. If you, if you encourage it, it will grow. If you pay it attention, it will grow. It will grow. If you feed it, it will grow. It will grow. So don't be intimidated. If you don't speak in tongues yet, that's okay. Your thank you might turn into that at some point. And it's going to fall out of your mouth. And before you know it, you're going to be in. Okay? So I encourage you, be repetitive if that's what you have for now. It's going to grow. I guarantee you it's going to grow. But we've got to start somewhere. Because God is not going to pull it out of us. He doesn't have to do that. Do you understand how God, God is? He don't have to do nothing to be worthy. He just is. But he's also a gentleman. And he's not going to pull it. He wants you to give it freely. He wants you to want to give it. But he understands we all have to start somewhere. He is gracious. So we start with a thank you. I appreciate you. I say like this, talk to him. I talk to him like we're sitting next to each other in a conversation. I say, God, you, you did your thing today. I went in that meeting and I didn't have any idea what I was supposed to say, but you got me through that meeting. And we didn't have a dull moment. It's stuff like that. See, we can't take stuff like that for granted. We can't take, because he's behind it all. Even the smallest thing you can appreciate him for. You can appreciate him for. You can appreciate him for. So we just are encouraging you to start where, with what you know. Start with what you have. Start with what you have. Lord, I thank you that my printer didn't run out of ink when I was printing up my presentation. Because he's, he's really literally that good. Like, he really is. All that's good and perfect comes from him. All that's good and perfect comes from him. All that's good and perfect comes from him. So, God, we bless you. We thank you. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We give you the credit. We give you the credit. We give you the credit, Father. If we are anything, it's because you made it to be so. It's because you honored us enough to make it be so. You allowed it to be so. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We respond to your goodness. We respond to your love. We respond to your greatness, Lord. It all belongs to you anyway. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My hallelujah belongs to you. 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 You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. 
you're the rightful owner of it, Father. My hallelujah belongs to you. I give it freely to you, Father. My hallelujah belongs to you. your holy name Jesus 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 thank you Lord thank you Jesus glory to your name hallelujah 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 thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord you spoke those words and let there be light, and it was so. In that same breath, the stars fell in line. With one voice, creation cries, you do all things well. You do all things well. Be praised. Be praised. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lost in the dark, up under the dirt, I was buried, left to die. I heard your voice calling my name. From the tomb I came alive. You do all things well. From the tomb we came alive. You do all things well be praised be praised be praised 
When I think of all you've done and all the battles you brought me over, hallelujah. And every storm I saw him come in my defense, my only song is hallelujah. So let there never be a day that I don't rise to bring you praise, hallelujah. Let your thoughts make you think of hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Think about it, think about it, think about it. Hallelujah. All these storms I saw call in my defense. My only song is
Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voices. be a day that I won't rise and bring you praise for father every battle that we faced every storm that we've been in you have shown yourself faithful and true you are worthy of praise not just for what you can do you are worthy of praise for who you are you are worthy of praise because you're the lamb of God you are the lion of the tribe of Judah you are the alpha the omega the beginning, the end. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. There is none other. You are faithful and true. You're the rider on the white horse. You're the one whose the sword of the Spirit proceeds from the mouth of the Almighty God. You're the one who sends His word out and it will not come back void. Woo! You are our refuge and our rock and our protector and our high tower. You are our shepherd. When we're walking through what feels like the valley of death. Jesus, in every season, in every stage. When I'm lying quietly by the still waters. When I'm crying in the ashes of my burned up dreams. When I'm shaken by the doctor's report. Are blurry-eyed by the lack of sleep because of the stress and the worry that is on our life. You are and always will be our God. And you are there. And we've got a boatload of reasons to praise you. So soul, listen to what we said today. May there never be a day that you don't rise up and give him praise. Holy Spirit, we pray today that you stir a fire down deep in our soul. 
that we cannot contain, we cannot control. Stir it. Breathe it into life today. A breath from you. So many sitting with circumstances, situation, unknown to others, <laughs> but never unknown to you. So pull back the veil. God, move in power. Show them your majesty in the land of the living. Show them your majesty. Let your glory fall. So whether we're here with addictions or sickness or brokenness or circumstance, we trust you. So together, in faith, Daddy, we're praying this. Let your kingdom come into that circumstance, into that sickness, into that depression, into that anxiety, into that worry, into that stress, into that circumstance, into that marriage, into that prodigal child. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. We say what is impossible with us is certainly possible for you. So we trust you and we simply add our amen to your amen. So in the name of Jesus, we say so be it. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God some glory for answers that are already here, that have come and that are on their way in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. Wow, what a powerful prayer you prayed. May there never be a day that we don't rise up and give him praise because he's worthy of praise. He should have our hallelujah today. You know, hallelujah sounds like it's a church word, but hallel just means praise. Lu is the Hebrew word for the, Yah, God, the Lord. Just just telling you. It's not even telling you. It's just reminding you. I don't know about you. Sometimes I need to be reminded that my circumstance don't need to change before I praise the God of my circumstance. I, I, don't, I don't need to get set free from the sickness before I praise the God who is my healer. I don't need to have the provision in my hand, come on, before I pr pr praise and say hallelujah to the God who is the provider. I don't. And it's not me. I'm not saying I don't. It's that, that's the word of God. See, as people of faith, faith says it is so before it is so that it may be. Faith says it is so even when it's not yet so, so that it is so. And let me just say about the is so. Sometimes the is so is not on this side of the veil. But the is so is always and always so because my God is not a man that he should lie. He is faithful and true. So it's always an is so. So I'm going to pray, come on somebody, like it's going to be on this side of the veil and praise him regardless of what side it's on because my God is faithful. Do you have any reason to praise God today? Do you have any reason to praise God? Then praise Him. Just praise Him for a moment. Just don't worry about your neighbor. Just praise Him for a moment. Lord, we love you. You're worthy today. Hallelujah.
Let our hallelujah rise to you. Woo! Oh, part of Danielle and I's hallelujah is that you're here today. Truly, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here on this last Sunday of the summer. I know it's not really the last Sunday of the summer, but if you grew up in Jersey, you know what I mean, because next week is Labor Day, and that really, it's over. It's just done. Kids are going back to school. College kids already went back. Teachers are going back. We need to be praying and standing in the gap for them, by the way. There's never been a more pressing time in the life of our generation than now to be praying and standing in the gap for covering and boldness and faith over those children. No matter whether they're five and going into kindergarten, come on, or 25 and going to their masters. There's so much deception and lies and the enemy has woven so much deceit into the fabric of this generation that they need men and women of faith to stand in the gap for them. Not to tell them they're wrong, not to complain about their generation, to fight for their generation. So can we just pray for them really quickly? Father, before we send the kids out, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every child, every student, every teacher, Lord God. Every instructor, every professor, Lord God, that's in this room, that's watching on, online today, we stand in the gap for them. We pray for the Holy Spirit to give them a boldness, a boldness like Daniel, to stand up in the midst of a generation and proclaim that their God is a mighty God. We pray, Lord God, that you anoint them with the Holy Spirit, grow gifts and fruit in them, Lord God. Even as a child, may they rise up against giants like David did and slay them in, with faith from you. Lord God, I pray for wisdom for parents, discerning spirit to understand and to see, open the eyes of their heart. Daddy, every moment they walk out that door to the moment they put their head on their pillow at night, guard their hearts and their minds in Jesus Christ. We pray for the missionaries that you have placed in the public schools of our life. And we pray that you may give them safety, that you may give them peace, and that you may give them boldness to have the faith to rise up and be your missionaries, your prophets, your prophetesses in those schools. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. We love our kids. Hey, kiddos, why don't you follow uh, Pastor Kevin? Look, 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 at look at you, look at go with the sign. Follow Vito in the side on now. Give them a hand, guys, as they're going out. Why don't you just take a moment as you're being seated as well. Give somebody next to you a high five. Tell them it's good to have them in church today. Mm. Woo, hallelujah. Before we go any further, we're going to do two things really quickly, but... First, I just want to welcome any of our guests. Look, if you're a first or second time guest here at Connect, thank you for coming today. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing here. Hey, there's going to be a, a slide up on the, the screen with a QR code. You can, you can check on that at any time. It just lets us, you know a little bit more about us. We'd love to get to know a little bit more about you. Not to try to keep you in church here, but because your story matters. Who you are matters to us. And we love to hear what God's doing in your life. 
And so let us know just a little bit about what's happening. Those QR codes are all over the room, so you can find them at any time and anywhere. But truly, thank you. We know how hard it is to walk down a boardwalk, to walk in a door, to sit next to people you don't know. We understand. So thank you for the courage to come today. Thank you. And we mean that. This is a family. And I know that word is kind of weird and, and kind of trying to many people because
and uh, say hi. Hi. Hey, everybody online, thank you so much for waiting. Guys, can you give them a hand for waiting and being patient with us today? Thank you for being patient with us. You know, we, we do that, by the way, um, because it's just protecting just a little bit of privacy. We believe for the family of God to be able to be vulnerable with one another. But in order to be vulnerable with one another, we also have to protect in ways. Who comes to the party in that? Yes? So the, these moments are family moments. Uh, they're not private moments. They're family moments. Um, and so thank you, church. We know that many of you are our family but aren't able to be here, and we understand that. But thank you for being patient with us. So are you guys ready for the word today? I don't know about you, but after worship and after that prayer, I'm ready for the word. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the word. So since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to Exodus chapter 28. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. Uh, we've been in it for a few weeks now, uh, and this is the last week that we're kind of, we'll be talking about it. This book was written by Moses, right? Um, and we've been, the reason why we're doing this, guys, is because, as we've been talking about, we want to do line upon line, priest upon line. We want to build on things. So if you need a title for today's message, it's Rolling the Dice. It's Rolling the Dice. That's why everybody, when you walk through the door, got some dice, right? Some of you are like, this is the wrong church, man. I got dice. These people are crazy. They're out back, rolling and playing craps against the wall. Don't do that. But, uh, you know, one of the most difficult things in life, I believe, is making decisions. It's not really making decisions because, to be honest, we make thousands of them every day, but it's the place from where we make decisions that gets difficult, especially when you and I feel the pressure to always have to make the right. Anybody ever feel the pressure to make the right decisions? Right? And then what adds on top of that is that right constantly changes. Like who is determining what is right? Is like because when I was, what was right when I was 12 is different now. Come on, somebody. That seemingly when I'm 55. And that's the pressure. It gets tricky. I know for me, and I'm sure probably for many of you, you may be in the same boat. You know, I, I had a challenging week. I've had a challenging month. Maybe some of you have had a challenging last four years, right? And, and over that time, when I'm being challenged, I, I found myself making some good decisions and some God decisions. And then I found myself making some selfish decisions and some decisions out of insecurity, some decisions out of emotion out of desire, out of logic, out of uh, so many different factors that we can't even name them all today. But the issue is not that we make decisions. The issue is that if we make decisions from any other place other than the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we are literally rolling the dice with our lives, hoping that we get, double, right, hoping that we get Yahtzee and not crap out. But the truth is that God's actually not bothered by the fact that you and I have to make decisions. Matter of fact, he set it up that way in the garden. Do you realize that true love demands the ability to make a decision? The only way that you can truly love someone is you have actually have to have a choice to love them. But what we also learn in the garden is this. When we don't make decisions out of the word of God, founded from God's word, it not only has effects on our life, we're literally rolling the dice with our lives. 
not only affecting our own life, but affecting everyone else that you and I are connected to. And so in this text that we're going to look at, we see God is revealing to us the place from which these decisions should come from. Where's the place? As we live out this life trying to live out a life of worship to him, trying to live out a life of holiness to him, carrying the names, carrying the tribe, carrying the people, and all that is around us, carrying that into wholeness and holiness, our decisions matter. Because our decisions don't only affect our lives. Our decisions to or not to affect the name, the tribes, and the people around us. And so let's look at this text and see, you know, do we just roll the dice? Should we just roll the dice and kind of let's see where the dice fall? Or maybe is there a better way for you and I to make the daily decisions? Does anyone else struggle, by the way, with daily decisions? Like, I, we make thousands of them every day. And, like, some of them are easy. Like, I know the coffee I want in the morning. Easy. I have the same coffee every day. Easy. Right? I know. The way to go to work, I go the same way every day. I got it. I'm good. Those are easy decisions. How about... How do we forgive that person that victimized us the most? How do we give when our bank account says zero? How do I trust when the doctor's report says cancer? See, these are real life decisions. The Bible says in Exodus 20, we're just going to look at one verse because we looked at a lot of the verses this earlier. And look, if you haven't had a chance to be here or see the last two or listen to the last two sermons, I really encourage you to go back because we are building on them. But verse 30 says this. Also put, put the Urim and the Thummim into the breastplate. Now, that means it's in between two layers. There's two layers of the ephod. And so there, you're supposed to put these two things inside the layers so that they may be where? Over Aaron's heart. You should underline that. Whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions. Manny, can you bring me down just a little bit? I'm a little hot. Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. Oh, that's better. Thank you. The means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart. You can underline that. Before the Lord. He's always able to make decisions when he carries these things before the Lord in worship. I love that Hebrew word, and I know we talked about it before, that Hebrew word for decisions which it, or judgment. It actually means the ability to, to make judgment against what is wrong, but it also contains the ability to discern what is right. That certainly helps in making decisions, doesn't it? When you and I have to make decisions, it certainly helps to be able to understand what's, what, what is wrong and what will happen in that wrongness, and then actually what is right and why things are right. And how does he tell us that we can know this? By placing the Urim and the Thummim inside the folds. Inside the folds. This is how the high priest determines God's will. Before the Holy Spirit came, he placed 
The Urim and the Thummim inside the folds. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit that comes inside of the folds of our life. When we come to Jesus Christ and we ask Him to be Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit enters into you and I inside of our lives, inside the outer and the inner rests the Holy Spirit. And He is the one who gives counsel and guides us into the decisions that we can make as well as manifesting His power to change to his perfect power to tra- to transform the imperfect work of the things that are inside of us and the things that are outside of us. That's what we talked about last week, how the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit change us and change the things around us. So there is a means through which God is showing us in the shadow because remember the Old Testament is the shadow, the New Testament is the reality. The Old Testament conceals, uh, and the New Testament reveals. So there's this beautiful picture here of the Holy Spirit being able to come inside of us to help us make the decisions. So the issue really is, I think, that we face today is how do we decide to respond to things within ourselves that the Holy Spirit says is broken and unhealthy, And how do we decide to respond to the things the Holy Spirit shows us outside of ourselves that are unhealthy and broken? Basically, how do we make sound judgments about what is wrong and how do we have clear understanding about what is right? I don't know about you, but in this world today, that seems, that process seems to be very muddy. Seems to be very muddied by all sorts of people and politics and views and issues and backgrounds and culture and sides of the aisle that you relate to. But then there's God. The beauty is you and I don't have to roll the dice. He's placed the Holy Spirit inside the folds of our life to help us. That word Urim means light. Thumen means perfect truth. My God has placed light and perfect truth, perfect truth. My my truth, not your truth, not their truth, not his truth, not my grandmom's truth, not my aunt's truth. Perfect truth inside of us through the Holy Spirit. He's placed it there. That's why Jesus says in John 4, 24, my worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Because The light illuminates the word, and the word perfectly defines the truth for a holy life. Come on. When we look at God's progression of revelation, it went from God speaking through objects to humanity to God speaking through spirit to humanity. It went from the the, the Ten Commandments written on stone tablets to his word written on our hearts. It went from him speaking through a burning bush, come on, to people, to him speaking through the fire of his spirit to people. It went from him speaking through the Ark of the Covenant to him speaking through the one whose blood sealed the new covenant. See, the truth is, this is the picture of the Urim and the Thummim in this text is a picture of the Holy Spirit and how his, he guides us and counsels us to make decisions. So what we see in this is that as priests of God, we have the ability to understand the will of God. The priest could understand the will of God, but he also had the choice not to seek it. 
Here's where it really comes into play. The high priest had the ability to understand the will of God, but he also had the free will, like we do, not to seek it. But this is what we have to understand, that the authority of the word is established on the way God has made for decisions to be made. The authority of the word is established. He said, look, the high priest can determine the will of God, and therefore the authority of that will is determined by you listening to the will. It's determined by that. It's not simply determined because I want it to be true or I'd like it to be true. His word is established, and he's given us a way to understand the authority by him making the decision and not us. There's the sad moment. Let me help you see it a little differently. There's a sad moment in Numbers chapter 16 where Korah brings 249 other priests. So 250 priests come to Moses, and they're like, uh, it's in Numbers 16. You can read it later on. Let me paraphrase it. They come and they say, um, excuse me, Moses, but we're holy too. We hear from God too. So we don't need you telling us what to do. We can make our own decisions. Come on, somebody. Any parent ever have a kid? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm gonna do, I can make my own decision. I've been in church a long time, Pastor. I can... Mm-hmm. So Moses is like, cool. This is what we're going to do. You fill up your censers with fire and with the incense of worship and bring it before the tabernacle. Bring it before the tent of meeting. So all 250 priests, they get their censer, they fill it up with fire, they fill it up with uh, incense, they bring it to the tent of meeting, they put it before God, and when they put it before God, the fire of God comes out of the tent of meeting and consumes all 250 of them. At the same time, the the ground underneath the tents of the family of Korah and his relatives opens up and God swallows them whole. I would say... The debate is settled. Now this is crazy because think about this. Korah is a Levite. Korah is a priest. But it's not the title that we wear that matters, but the decisions that we make that do. It's not the title that we wear. It's the place from the decisions we make that matter. By the way, there's this incredible picture uh, 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 that, that follows this. It's an amazing moment because the, the people, the rest of the people, they get upset because they're like, I don't think God was fair. I don't think God was fair. I don't, Moses, I don't think God was fair. God should not have done that. That was unjust and unfair. I don't like it. God said, cool. So he sends a plague among them. Almost 15,000 people die until the Bible says, until the Bible says, Aaron, the high priest, takes a censer filled with fire and the incense of worship. And the Bible says when Aaron, the high priest, with a censer filled with fire and the incense of worship, stood between the living and the dead, the plague stopped. My God, that is a picture of Jesus, our high priest, who took the censer of the fire of our wrath, the fire of our hell. He took the incense of his worship and he stood between life and death and the plague of sin stopped on you and I 
Because we were the people going, God, it's not fair you send me to hell. God, it's not fair what you're doing in my life. God, it's not fair. And the high priest said, whoa, let me stop the plague. What a God we serve. See, God's decisions are holy and life-saving. But the issue for us is that we tend to make decisions from the things that are closest to our hearts. You and I tend to make decisions from things that are closest to our hearts. It's why God says, put these things over the heart of Aaron. Get them as close to his heart as they can come. Because we make decisions out of things that are closest to our heart. Even God examples this for us, doesn't he? In John 3, 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. But, but, but the truth of that is this. It's the things closest to our hearts, not the things closest to us. Because in that verse, what we see is that people were far from God, but they were close to his heart. They were far from God, but they were close to his heart. My friends, church can be close to us. The word can be close to us. The Bible can be on our uh, coffee table, next to our bedstand, next to our, the, where we pray, where we hope. And the, the word can still not be close to our heart. Amen. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will lie. I think the challenge for us today is in answering the question, what is the thing that is closest to our hearts? Because the reality is the thing that's closest to our hearts will become the thing that we feel the closest connection to. The thing that's the closest to our hearts is the thing we feel the closest connection to. And it will become the thing that we make our decisions out of. Maybe logic is the thing that you feel most connected to. Or your intellect is the thing that you feel most connected to. Or your desires. Or my truth is the thing that you're most connected to. Or maybe it's a need to succeed. Or maybe it's just a need not to be seen as a failure. Maybe it's our sense of justice. Because sometimes we can feel like something is so unjust, it makes the decision for us how we're going to act. Sometimes it's our family traditions and our family beliefs. We've talked about this before, but we are so connected to our family and, and, we, and we're so protective of them that we actually are, are, are willing to compromise what the Word says in order to not call something unhealthy because of what it would say about us and our family. It's closest to our hearts. Do you realize even mercy, we talked about mercy last week as being one of the greatest gifts, but even mercy can sometimes get twisted inside of us because we get too connected to the underdog. Like when you have a gift of mercy, you're always fighting to elevate the underdog, but we can become too connected to the underdog and forget that Jesus is not just grace, he's also truth. It's so easy to make decisions from the old friends that are so commonplace to our heart. Do you realize that our hearts all have a whoopee. They all have like that whoopee hoodie. You know what I'm talking about? The old beat up hoodie that you just love. That's so comfortable. It fits so good. It makes it all. You don't even mind it's got some holes. It's dirty. It's got some stains because it's got memories. Come on, somebody. It's got, it's got, it's got memories. 
The memories, you're connected to it. It makes you feel all warm and fuzzy. Your heart has a whoopee hoodie. That's the problem. It exchanges, come on somebody, the Sunday robe for the whoopee hoodie. When it gets stressed, it exchanges the Sunday... The Sunday hallelujah for the whoopee hoodie. Oh, I just remember when. It smells so good. Love it. The problem is, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Get Navy SEALs and put them in front of it, man. Get, get some, get some uh, Delta Force commandos. Get some Green Berets and guard, above everything else, guard your heart. Why? Because out of your heart come all the issues of your life. That's why we have to understand that our heart is deceitful above all things. That's why when our generation tells us just to follow our heart, worst advice, what they're telling you is roll the dice with your life. Hopefully you'll get Yahtzee, but probably not. Friday, Danielle and I had some, we, heard, we got some challenging news. And we were working through it all day and with God. And, and we came to a place where we were, we were feeling pretty good about, you know, moving forward with stuff. And, and we were sitting there, so we, sat, we were sitting there on the couch and just turned on some TV and started watching TV. But see, my whoopee hoodie, when I get stressed, is uh, I got to do something to fix it. Because I'm an achiever. I'm a fixer. So don't come to me if you just want me to hear your problems. That's Danielle. No, not me. I, I want to, f- I got any people out there? I want to fix it. So there's a list going on in my mind while we're sitting. Come on, somebody. While we're sitting there on the couch, there's a list going on in my mind. Okay, okay, okay. The dog starts to whine. All right, I got to walk the dog. I got to go get us dinner. Oh, oh, well, well, while I'm getting us dinner, I might as well go out and pick up that package I need to pick up. Because, well, if I pick up the package, there's some places that we like to eat. I can pick up some food from there after I walk the dog. So without thinking, I got up, walked the dog, took the dog, threw her in the back of the car, locked her in, got behind the steering wheel, and I left my wife on the couch alone after a day of challenging news because the thing that was closest to my heart was my need to achieve I was being moved by that not what was closest to me and if I was carrying her in my heart and not my whoopee over my heart I would have made a different decision. Because not only was it not a good decision, somebody say amen, it was not a God decision. In real life, this was Friday. The truth is, my friends, God places the Urim and the Thummim in our life, light and perfection, because they are meant to be there to influence our heart not to be influenced by our heart. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, is meant to influence our heart, not to be influenced by our heart. That's why King David, who wrestles with wanting to have a heart after God, but still struggles with so many things and making the right and wrong decisions, he says in Psalm 119, verse 11, I got it. If I hide my word in you, if you hide your word in my heart, I won't sin 
against you. I've got to treasure it. I've got to value it. I've got to place it inside my heart, not just on a Sunday morning, not just for the Sunday morning, amen. I'm talking about I've got to keep investing it and investing it and investing it because my heart should be influenced by the word, not, my, not the word influenced by my heart. And the trap in our modern church culture is that we can make spiritual decisions and still not spirit-led decisions. We can make spiritually sounding decisions, but not spirit-led decisions. We're going to look at a risky uh, 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 text for a moment and, and hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? I've got to trust you with this. Acts chapter 1, verse 26. The disciples are trying to figure out who to replace Judas, who killed himself, with. And they're going to choose Matthias. But the Bible says in verse 26, they cast lots and the lot fell on Matthias. Now, I don't know about you, but that is probably not, no pastor is going to tell you, you know how to decide what God's will is, go cast some lots. Right? Probably not the way that we would do things. Now, it's part of Jewish culture at the time. They've done it in religious culture for years, for generations. Matter of fact, Proverbs 16.33, King Solomon says, when you cast the lot into your lap, just know God will direct it. So there is religious precedent for this. They weren't wrong. They were not, they were not wrong. But stay with me. That was before the Holy Spirit came. That was before Pentecost came. See, there are things, there are decisions and way we made decisions before we got filled with the Spirit that we cannot make the same way after we get filled with the Spirit. There are some logical ways, some spiritually sounding ways, some spiritual tradition that you used to have before you got filled up with the Holy Ghost that you should not make the same decisions the same way now. Why? Because they didn't pick Stephen the same way after Pentecost. They didn't pick Paul the same way after Pentecost. They didn't pick Silas or Barnabas the same way after Pentecost they didn't cast lots ever again so the trap is my friends it's so easy to fall back into this mentality of I got it right before using the old way there's no need to change tradition served me well but you and I live post Pentecost we live with the Holy Spirit inside the fold that's why Jesus said in John 16, I shouldn't be scared of the Holy Spirit. Every church is a Pentecostal church because the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God comes into his disciples and the Bible says leads them into some truth. A little bit of truth. It can't truth that will agree with your political view. American truth. Because after all, we are the truth in the American way. All truth. All truth. See, as modern believers, we tend to make our decisions from spiritual traditions, like they did. The thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. The rules that we believe make us righteous. But we are rolling the dice because those things, my friends, are tainted by our insecurities by our frivolities, by our proclivities, by our political views, by everything. You don't understand how much your growing up, your mentality, what you've come from, what you've heard, your friend group, your generation influences the way that you see the Word of God. So when we are making decisions out of spiritual traditions, we are rolling the dice unaware that we're rolling them because of our own proclivities. 
I don't know. I don't really agree with that verse. I don't really know if that verse is right. That's not my God. My God would never do that. That's not my Jesus. But disciples are called to make spirit-led decisions. Not spiritually sounding decisions, spirit-led decisions. This is where we struggle. I remember, some of you can relate to this, as a youth, um, like I was told that, that records, we had, rec- we had records. There we go, pass around. We had, some of you don't know what records are, go to a vintage store. I'm vintage now. And they told us all secular music was bad, so we had to take our records. Some of you remember, we had to take records, and we went out, we broke them in the parking lot, and we took our tapes, and we unrolled them and threw them in, into the fire, and we burned them all up. Some of you are like, you crazy. Yeah, because we were told, secular music down the devil, man. And then we realized that some of the Christian artists mm-hmm, weren't living much better than the secular artists. So then, what do you do? We we start to justify all or nothing, all or nothing, all or nothing. But then I heard a youth pastor ask a youth this. I actually heard him ask this question of a youth wrestling with this one day. He said, what if God was to tell you that you had to give up all music except for polka music? I said, that's unfair, dude. That's just wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you, I know I'd like to be like, yeah, I'd give up everything for Jesus. But polka music? Right, come on, somebody like, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't. But that's the heart of it, isn't it? That really is the heart of it. We want to make spiritually sounding decisions. Secular music is bad, Christian music is good. No, no, no. We need to be making spirit-led decisions. What music does God want you listening to? It's not, do you understand, this is not a music thing, right? Because I'll get emails. All music is God, I don't need it. Hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying, right? Come on, somebody. The truth is, and this is the hard fact, and this is where the rubber meets the road for us, that discipleship is not about making decisions for a better life. It's about making decisions to kill my old life. Discipleship is not about making decisions for a better life. It's about how do I kill my old life. The heartbeat of discipleship is this. Deny yourself, pick up a cross, and follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but I need the Urim and the Thummim for that. Because there's things I'm going to justify being in my life that shouldn't be in my life. There are things that I'm going to say aren't so bad that are so bad. There are some things that I'm going to bring along with me that I, should, that, I, that I should have left behind. It's why we need the light and the perfect truth. Because if not, we will take with us into our new life the things we thought made our old life better. It's not just us. It's in the Bible. Genesis 31. Do you remember the story of Rachel, the wife of Jacob, Jacob, Rachel, and Leah? The Bible says in verse 19 that she takes, when she leaves, she takes with her her family's idols. She took with her what she believed had blessed her in her past and would be valuable for her future. She didn't take everything. She only took the things that she thought would be valuable. She thought would be, she, did God say take those idols? I can pretty assure you he did not. Do not have any idols, right? Do not worship any God except for me. Do not steal. There's about a thousand things. Mm. Come on, this is what we do. 
When we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, we take a little from here and a little from there. We don't take everything. Because after all, it's all spiritual. No, no, none of it's God. None of it's God. The trouble is she was rolling the dice that the dysfunction wouldn't follow her. But her father did follow her. And because, because we have to understand our decisions follow us. And they affect others around us. They affected her husband and Leah and the kids and generations. And the issue is what should have been left in the tent she decided to bring into their home. What should have, what should have been left in the tent she decided to bring into her home. The truth is, my friends, decisions happen in a moment, but never in a vacuum. Just because we start a new family doesn't mean the dysfunction connected to the old one won't follow us. Won't follow us when we bring it with us into our marriage or into our life, into our kids, into church. We come to the, a new church with the same old gods. Oh, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know what we should have here? You know what we should do here? You know what we should do? Clam up and start dancing. Do the polka dance. Come on. I don't, I don't know. That was just polka. Po I don't know how polka goes. But maybe you came to, maybe God brought you to a polka church. But I like rock and roll. Maybe God brought you to a polka church. Because there are things that should have been left in the tent that you brought with you into the home. But God intended for his priests to bring godly truth from his tent and decide to bring it into their family, not vice versa. God did not tell his priest to bring what was right in their families into his tent. He said, bring what you've got in this tent into your family. Let me ask you this. If I asked you today to take your dice that I gave you and give it to your neighbor right now and let them roll it for you, and, and, and if it came up one to three, they would give you $5. But if it came up four to six, they'd get to punch you in the face as hard as they want and take your car keys. All of you are ripping your dice back into your own hands, right? But this is what we do when we put the onus for our decision on others, on a culture, on our generation, on our family traditions, on our friends, on others. We are saying, go ahead, it might work out, and then the more people that you ask, the more dice are in the hands, come on somebody, it might work out, or you might get punched in the face. Samuel, I'm King Saul, 1 Samuel, verse 20, chapter 28 says this, we're almost done. Samuel, I'm sorry, King Saul and Samuel, the Bible says in verse 6, he did not get the answer from God from a dream, in prophecy, or from the Urim. So he says to his friends, go get me a witch. His friends should have punched him in the face. His friends go, cool, we know where one is. What? What kind of people are you surrounding your life with when you say, God hasn't answered my question yet, so let's go get us a medium, let's go get us a keg, let's go, I know where we can go get a, I know where the party's at so you can forget. What kind of friend says, I know where the witch is? 
And I know some of us would be like, yeah, we'll never do that. We never go to a, pit, a witch pastor. No, but we consult our generational opinions, our political party views, what Hollywood thinks. It's all the same spirit. The challenge is the word says, when you don't have an answer, wait on the Lord. The word says, wait on the Lord. The word never promised the moment the high priest put his hand within the fold, he'd have the answer. The Bible says when he put his hand in the fold, there would be an answer. Wait on the Lord. He'll renew your strength. The word says there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Yes, wise counsel. The word says meditate on my word day and night and don't depart from it and you will be prosperous wherever you go. The word says the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word says it is a double-edged sword that is that will divide even between soul and spirit. The word says it is a weapon that the enemy cannot defeat. A foundation so strong that heaven and earth will pass away but it it will never change the word that's what the word says the beautiful truth is what was inside our high priest Jesus the eternal Sophia the eternal wisdom the omniscient the omniscient counselor the spirit whose eyes search the corner of the cosmos that spirit is inside of us Jesus says in John 14 16 I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will be with you forever, and he is the spirit of truth. Come on, my friends. He is the one in the folds of our priestly garment, the light and the perfect truth. This is the privilege of being a disciple of Jesus Christ because we can tap in to the Godhead. We get to hide his word in our heart, decide to wear the restraints of holiness, Listen and hear from the Spirit of the eternal God and decide to put on our priestly garment, the garment of priesthood. But I know this, when we're not hearing it and when we're not wearing it, it's hard to hear from it. We can't just wear the tunic of forgiveness and the robe that assures that we are a son or daughter of God. We have to be willing to wear the weight of the priestly garment, the weight of holiness, the weight of the breastplate of the decision, knowing that our decisions affect the name, the tribe, and the people, because there's a weight to holiness. And sometimes we have to be willing to bear the weight of knowing no other answer but trust. Friday. I had to hear that word. Bear the weight of the answer. No other answer than trust. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust. 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 There's a weight to that. But he called me to be a priest. He didn't just give me a white tunic of forgiveness and a blue robe of adoption. He gave me the garment of a priest to be willing to put my hand inside the fold and wait. Trust. One of my favorite stories about Corey Tenboom. Corey was an amazing young woman who had a young age was thrown inside of Ravensbrook concentration camp 
Her sister, she and her sister were there for years, tortured, disgraced, caused indignities. Her sister was killed and murdered. After she was released, one night she was preaching in a church about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. At the end of the service, a man walked up to her, and immediately she knew who it was. It was one of the guards from Ravensbrook. And he stuck out her hand, and he said, will you please forgive me? And she said, I froze in that moment. I froze because I remember everything that he did to me, what he did to my sister, what they did to my family, the countless indignities and terror they caused and death into so many. I remembered every one of them. They came rushing back like a flood. But I also know that I just preached on the forgiving blood of Jesus Christ. And so she said this, I had to come to the decision in that moment of whether the word of God was true or not. And she said, in that moment, I said this to God, God, I believe your word's true. I will obey it, but you're going to have to supply the feeling. She said the moment she raised her hand to begin to shake his hand, there was a jolt of lightning down her arm and through her body, and she grabbed a hold of that man and pulled him in, and they began to weep and cry and share the embrace of forgiveness. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. What she was really wrestling with in that moment, my friends, what she was really deciding in that moment was whether she could trust not only the word of God, but whether she could trust God with her heart, with her pain, with her hurt, with her anger, with her life. It's easy to make decisions when there's little to lose and little cost in making it. But when our lives and our hearts are on the line, that's when the true test comes. So I want to encourage you today. Let's make decisions from within the fold. Because when we make decisions from within the fold, it's protected from the influences of the outside and it's protected from the issues from the inside. From within the fold. From within the fold. Not spiritual tradition, not roles of right and wrong. From within the fold. And if he says, wait, I wait until that answer comes, and I'm not moving my hand out. I'm not going to be moved. Wait, wait, trust, trust, trust. I will obey God. You provide the rest. I know Pastor D is going to come. Come on, baby. Bible says, I set before you today, life and death. Choose, decide, life. I'm going to, what Pastor D just said to me, and I believe she's true, she's right. I'm just going to leave the stage just for a few moments. I don't know, maybe reach inside the fold 
whether you want to do it in your chairs or on, the, on your knees or at the altar. And maybe it's just time to say, I trust. I trust. I know this. I know this. There are situations in this church and in people's lives that I'm looking at that are here today that without God, it is impossible. But I choose to trust, not because I'm a fool, because I have faith in the one who stood between life and death and the plague stopped.
Thank you, Lord. We're just going to say be praised one more time. those words let there be light and it was so and in that same breath the stars fell in line with one voice creation cries you do all things well you do all things well be praised be Jesus. Lord, you're able, you're able, you're able, you're able, you're able. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Will you stand and sing with us, please? Thank you, Lord. If you're finished, if you're, I don't want to rush anybody out of your prayer. If you're still praying, continue to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Be praised, Father. Be praised, Lord. Be praised. Be praised, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Be praised. Be praised. Be praised. Lord, be praised. Be praised. Be praised. Be praised. Be praised. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Father. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I think of all you've done and all the battles you brought me over, hallelujah. How you saw them come in my defense, my only song is Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And how you never let me fall now unto him who is able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let there never be a day that I don't rise to bring you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Be praised. Be praised. Be praised. Be praised. Be praised. Father, we're here. We have our hand within the fold. 
reaching out to a God that is beyond the veil. The eternal wisdom. The omniscient counselor. The one whose eyes seek every corner of the cosmos. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. The almighty God. Daddy, in the decisions that we've made where we've brought the things that we should have left in the tent into our home, we repent. We cast those idols out. We loose them from ourselves and from our children and from generations. We stop the curse even here and now by the blood of Jesus Christ. We stand and proclaim together that there is no generational curse that is going to go beyond this moment because it is destroyed by the work of the cross in Jesus' name. Daddy, we surrender those things that we've connected our hearts to that are not of you. Our traditions, our pride, our fears. And we say we trust you. We trust you, we trust you, we trust you. You are worthy of all praise and you're worthy of our trust so no matter how high the mountain that we face right now no matter how dark the midnight hour may be no matter how thick the prison chains are that hold us to the cell wall Father we know that you are the earthquake that shakes it all your word sets things free So Holy Spirit, come and move. I say amen to every prayer that was offered today. I say thank you, Father, for allowing us to repent for every moment where we did not listen or did not obey. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for that mercy that is new this morning. And thank you, Lord God, that you have not left us abandoned by the side of the road, rolling the dice for our future. But you have us engraved on the palm of your hand. You know every hair that is on our head. You know every step that we will ever take, every breath we will ever breathe, Lord God. And so today we surrender all to you in the name of of Jesus Christ we pray and together we say amen and amen hey as we get ready to go you know the beautiful thing about where we are in church right now truly is that church is not a performance it's an opportunity to connect with God not to receive preaching but to actually participate with the king and so when we come to these moments what you just saw that's the beauty of it the beauty of it is in where we are as connect church right now we're not rushing to get out the door Because freedom is found right here 
It's found when I just say, I'm sorry, and I need to trust you. And I did it wrong on Friday, God, and I'll do it wrong on Tuesday, and I'm sure I'll mess it up again on Thursday, but I'm so thankful you're a God of forgiveness and mercy and grace. Because although this be hoodie feels comfortable on me, I know one of these days I need to exchange it for a crown of righteousness. And that only happens when I'm willing to surrender, not choose a better life, make decisions to kill my old one and surrender to who he is and I don't know what that means for you but I know it means something to all of us every day so thank you for letting us take time thank you for letting us pray and stand in the gap and get on our knees and worship and thank you for being a community that says I want more of God not just more of church. Thank you. Wasn't always like that in my life. But I want it to be now. I just want more, God. So take home these dice and let them remind you. Don't roll them and don't give them to somebody else to roll. And on the way out, can I encourage you to decide to give. Not just to be a decider of a receiver, but to be decide to be a giver. The Bible says if you've received anything good from your instructor, we must. That shouldn't be a command like you got to, but it's God. It's the same word God uses to say you must be born again. He says you must share all good things with the one who instructed. Giving is a decision, and it's not a decision of simple obedience. It's a decision of worship. There's a thousand ways you can give. The slides are up on the screens. You can give by these envelopes. You can drop in this gold kiosk on the way out. You can give online. You guys know the different ways to be able to give. But thank you for being willing to give. Thank you for being willing to be here. Thank you for standing in the gap with us today. And thank you, because we know you're going to stand in in the gap with us tomorrow as well. I love you, church. Have the very best last week of summer. Enjoy it. Enjoy Labor Day weekend. (laughs) John's like, he loves summer. He's like, this is still summer. Anyone else ready for fall? I am so ready. Thank you. Thank you. You're my people. It's not just that it's football season. It's that I can actually breathe. Go outside. It's football season. Amen. It's football season. Father, bless them. Keep them. Let your face shine upon them. Order our footsteps as you order the footsteps of the righteous. And may what we pray today be true. May there never be a day, regardless of the circumstance or situation, where we rise and we don't give you praise. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.